How is everybody tonight? You know, we're doing all right. We're holding steady. Actually, pretty hey, good. We're doing great. Okay. Good. Yeah, holding steady is the best some of us can do most days, so that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a little bit of a topic for us for uh, tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was I was reading notes for Casablanca. Yeah. And I came across one of the absolute funniest notes I have I have ever come across in doing this or drinking age movie. Okay, that is that sets the bar pretty high. Yeah. Um, apparently, in the early to mid twenty aughts, uh, someone got it into their head that they were going to remake Casablanca. <laughs> uh... Would you like to guess who that person was? <laughs> The first thing that well, okay, you go first. Uh, I'm I'm really having a hard time coming to terms with the fact that somebody would have wanted to even. Okay, all right. Just think of just think of someone so audacious <laughs> that they are the only person you could think would want to do something this ridiculous. And what was what was the time period again? The, uh, about like, mid twenty twenty odds, so, so two thousand five, two thousand six. Mm -hmm. Tim Burton. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna say Adam Sandler because he he was, he was Madonna Madonna what? okay Madonna <laughs> wanted to remake Casablanca and and cast herself as Ilsa cast herself <laughs> and uh, her her acting partner uh, was going to be Ashton Kutcher no and they were going to update it and set it in Iraq oh good lord. Oh, <laughs> was there a working title? Not that I know of. I guess it was. It, I Dude, where's yeah. my plane? <laughs> Dude, where's my WMD? <laughs> um. Where's my visa? Oh, God. No. So she apparently shopped this around. And literally every single studio slammed the door in her face and said, you cannot remake Casablanca. So it got me thinking. Uh, uh, many of them called it an untouchable film. You could never, ever remake Casablanca because it is untouchable. Which got me to thinking, what is a film that you think is untouchable and cannot be remade? And then, uh, <laughs> we'll cover this one first. Okay, so what film do you think is untouchable and cannot be remade? Well, um, I've got a, a few that I've picked. And my, my thought is usually based on um, either iconic characters or um, just the perfection of the movie uh, as a as it's made. So I would say the first two Godfather films, um, Indiana Jones. With Indiana Jones, I think you can continue the story and break it off like, you know, Rocky did with Creed or something, but you don't recast Indiana Jones. You don't remake that. Star Wars, um, you continue the story as they're doing, branch off other things. You don't remake Star Wars. Um, I'd probably say like Taxi Driver and a handful of Scorsese films just well, because yeah, we, we learned from Joker you can't remake that. <laughs> yeah. Um, some things I was kind of flip-flopping on were like i think you could do lord of the rings because the the characters in the book are more iconic than the the actors necessarily 
Caitlin. Yeah. You could, I think maybe in about 60 years or, you know, after I'm dead, maybe, cause I'm going to, and I think, and I think, with a <laughs> nice, <laughs> with a Lord of the Rings trilogy in itself, kind of being a remake, you know, having the, uh, the old, <laughs> 70s I cartoon. don't know. That's not. We're not even going. <laughs> How that works? No, 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 not at all. Yeah, I have some other, you know, quick ones like uh, any Wes Anderson movie, just because they're so uniquely oh, him. Yeah. Um, okay, stuff like that. Uh, Caitlin, you got a few, don't you? Uh, well, it's it's interesting. You know, he mentioned it, and I'm like, oh god, I don't know movies like you guys do. But um, it, immediately, what comes to mind are movies, you know, like Schindler's List or um, The Color Purple. Um, Shawshank Redemption, Life is Beautiful. And I was, you know, thinking like, my God, these are all movies that kind of rip your heart out at some point. So <laughs> then a movie I thought that was just perfect that not a lot of people oddly ha- are familiar with is uh, Benny and June. Oh, I love Benny and June. <laughs> yeah. So those those are kind of a few of mine. I personally think anything could be remade and it makes me laugh to think that something would be remade. Having... Having rewatched uh, the Gus Van Zant Psycho, <laughs> which is brilliant, um, <laughs> I think everything should be remade. And I was really sad when uh, the internet got really mad that the Princess Bride was going to be remade, and it got now now it got shut down because yeah. I really wanted to see that. I I can understand. I I'm I, at the same time I don't think having something remade takes away anything from the original because you can't do that. It, Absolutely. Um, because it stands on its own. It is what it is. And but no, then, then what do you do with the, isn't there a sense of nostalgia that, that also brings an adoration or, or a, a deep rooted love of a film that if, if there is no off limits movie, I, I don't know. I just feel like it takes away something from the brilliance that was in, and the hollowed ground that some of these films have earned. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't begrudge anybody for thinking differently on those points. I just, yeah, I just personally am an agent of chaos, and I, <laughs> I was, I was going to say when you made that comment, I'm like, you would just, you know, like throw paper airplanes into the wind just to see which ones crash. And that's yeah. like my idea of you with movies. Like, ah, let's just do it, anyways. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> all caution to the wind. Look, one of my all-time favorite films, and a film I feel is kind of hollow ground, is Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. One of the the greatest films ever made, and you would you would look at that film and say nobody's ever going to be able to remake that film in a way that is as good or even close to it. And then they make the Magnificent Seven, and it is as good or close to it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, but I think that it's different enough. Like if you change the setting and stuff, oh, yeah. like you were talking about with Psycho, <laughs> that's the we you talked about on Drake and H movies too, where they made the exact same movie just with different actors and <laughs> proved that, that theory would funny. not have worked with Madonna. No. no. Oh no 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 that that version of Casablanca was going to be terrible. End of story. That's what you wanted to That's see it, you would have wanted to watch but it. I, but I would have watched every second of it with a giant bucket of popcorn. Fair, fair. Hey, let's talk about a movie. Let's talk.
Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Lurkman. And I'm Zach McCoy. And you did not hear Jonathan because he is off uh, dealing with family emergencies. So we wish him and his family the best. We love you all. And uh, instead, you. We, re- we have replaced him this week. Zach, who have we replaced Jonathan with this week? We have replaced him with my the object of my affection and uh, obsession, my beautiful redheaded wife, Caitlin McCoy. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsley podcast, a show where we discuss the Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week, Zach? We are watching Casablanca, a timeless story of love, loss, pride, and sacrifice set against the looming Nazi threat in early World War II. Uh, is this the first time everybody has watched this film? No. Yes. But mostly. She saw the first half. You keep like, saying that, but I legit just remember the first few minutes. Like... Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so, yes. For all intents and purposes. Um, I'm pretty sure my film nerd card would have gotten taken away in high school if I hadn't seen this film. Indeed. So I, I did. Very good. Oh yeah. I love this film so much. Me too. It is beautiful. I, I love it so much. We're going to do an Oscar breakdown. Thank you. Break it down. Uh, the Oscars this year have been made out of plaster. They're made out of plaster. Yes. Because they were using, oh. Metal for war, war purposes. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. So uh, we have plaster Oscars, and uh, apparently the supporting actor Oscars up to this point were a miniature Oscar on a plaque. Okay. And this is the first year that the supporting actor and actress <laughs> received actual statuettes. Plaster, just give them to them. Who cares? <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, no real drama going into the ceremony, uh, except for the fact that the ceremony was the first time they had opened it up to, instead of like a, a little gala into a big celebration and invited, um, just average people to come out. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it was the first time it was held at Grauman's Chinese Theater. Okay. Who is the host this year? Oh, our host was the great Jack Benny. Okay. Uh, no, uh, no Bob Hope this year. Okay. But he'll be uh, back. He will. <laughs> many, many <laughs> times. <laughs> okay. So, of course, our best picture and best director go to Casablanca. Oh, uh, I guess I should say Song of Bernadette is nominated for the most awards at 12 walks away with the most awards at four. Oh, okay. Casablanca will only walk away with three, two of those, of course. Outstanding Motion Picture and Best Director. Outstanding Motion Picture beats out For Whom the Bell Tolls, Heaven Can Wait, The Human Comedy, In Which We Serve, Madame Curie, The More the Merrier, The Oxbow Incident, Song of Bernadette, and Watch on the Rhine. Uh, Speaking of Watch on the Rhine, Paul Lucas from Watch on the Rhine gets Best Actor. Jennifer Jones from Song of Bernadette gets Best Actress. Uh, Humphrey Bogart loses Best Actor 
and Ingrid Bergman loses Best Actress. <clears throat> but not for this film. Oh, that's right. She loses for For Whom the Bell Tolls. Best Supporting Actor goes to Charles Coburn for The More the Merrier, who beats out Claude Rains for Casablanca, which is a mistake. Mm. I demand the Oscars give Claude Rains his goddamn Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played um, uh, Louis or... Yeah, Louis. Yeah. The, the French... The French captain, but... Yeah. Yeah. The... Speaking of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Uh, he is my favorite part of this film, and I'm not even ashamed of it. It's <laughs> really, it's interesting, you know, only having seen it the once, but um, honestly, it was just, just in high school and a little bit in, in college of theater. You really get an appreciation for how difficult a role that actually was um, in, in coming across nonchalant, but also... Um, very serious. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have, having to to keep that going. Yeah, Claude Rage just <laughs> that high wire act so well, and uh, he got robbed. There's there's no way that Charles Coburn in the more the merrier is better than Claude. <laughs> than the uh, all right, so we should uh, make our own plaster Oscar. Yeah, and and, and in his memory, and just put Claude Rains We're on. We're gonna it. do it. Not even. Not even specifically for this movie. We'll just... <laughs> for him, it's a lifetime achievement award. I wonder if he ever got one. We'll find out at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. uh, Katina Paxanu wins for For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, Best Supporting Actress. Best Original Screenplay goes to Princess O'Rourke. Best Screenplay goes to Casablanca. Is this so, still before they've called it adapted, or do they have it adapted to? No adapted. No. We're still original screenplay, screenplay, and original motion picture story. So <clears throat> shit's just weird all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and best emotion, original motion picture story goes to the human comedy. Uh, best documentary feature, only the second year for that, goes to Desert Victory. Congratulations. The British Ministry of Information. Oh. And Speaking of documentaries, the best documentary short, short subject is introduced this year and goes to December 7th for the United States Navy. Okay. So uh, is this uh, every documentary award so far have been war related? I think if I remember last week correctly. All four winners from last year, the winner from this year, and now the best documentary short subject for this year. Makes sense. Now, I had come across an interesting note <clears throat> that... I, I'm not sure about. Apparently, there may have been a best documentary short subject the year before, and Walt Disney got nominated for it twice. But I saw that on a on a breakdown of Walt Disney's Oscar page, hmm. and not in the breakdown on Wikipedia from last week, and not in the breakdown in my giant book of Oscar trivia. Huh. So I'm very confused about this. Best live action short subject one reel goes to Amphibious Fighters. Okay. Best live action short subject two reel goes to Heavenly Music. All and right. now for the podcast within a podcast. Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Yay. Okay, so we're at the best short subjects cartoons. Uh, 
category that has existed for four and Walt Disney has won all but once when he was not nominated. <laughs> the year he had uh, uh, his first feature length, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I believe so. For so he's like, I'm busy. <laughs> won literally every year since. Yeah. Walt Disney, for the first time, has lost this Oh category. my God! Not been nominated, actually lost. Was nominated, did oh. not and right. this is to Fred Quimby for the Yankee Doodle Mouse, which is a Tom Tom and Jerry cartoon. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> not a fan of Tom and Jerry here. Not really? at all. Nope. Oh, so, so you're not going to watch the uh, the new live action CG Hell film no. with Chloe Grace Moretz? No, honestly, just the picture, the screenshot of her. <laughs> she's almost cross-eyed. I'm like, what is going on here? I just don't even want to watch it. <laughs> And I like her. I like her as an actress, but I just any anything with Tom and Jerry. I honestly, I despise that cartoon so much. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know this is the first time that it won after losing twice to Walt Disney, and it will go on to win six more Oscars. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How did that win? No. All right. Anyways. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also curious because Dave Fleischer got nominated for an award this year and uh, the Fleischer brothers have not won anything yet because Walt Disney keeps hogging all the goddamn Oscars. <laughs> all right. Uh, best scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture goes to song Bernadette for Alfred Newman beating out Max Steiner for Casablanca. Uh, best scoring of a musical picture goes to This is the Army. Uh, That's a theme. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Best original song goes to You'll Never Know from Hello Frisco Hello. Sounds um, lively. It beats out Saludos Amigos from Saludos Amigos, the uh, Walt Disney picture from that year. That old Black Magic from Star Spangled Rhythm. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. I'll have to listen to You'll Never Know and See how that stacks up. It won't. Probably not. <laughs> um, best sound recording goes to This Land is Mine. Best art direction, interior direction, black and white goes to Song of Bernadette. Best art direction, interior decoration, colors goes to Phantom of the Opera. Oh. I have not seen that version. I have not seen this version either. I'll have to go to Just Watch, who should be sponsoring us, <laughs> to see if it's streaming anywhere. It would probably still be better than the newer one. Uh, anything is better than the 2004 <laughs> musical version of. I completely agree. <laughs> uh, black and white cinematography goes to Song of Bernadette beating out Casablanca. Mm. Best cinematography color goes to Phantom of the Opera. Uh, best film editing goes to Air Force. <laughs> there you go. Got Air, Army and Air Force. So far. And yep. Navy. Oh, Navy one. Yep. And beating right. out Casablanca. And finally, best special effects goes to Crash Dive. Crash Dive? Yes, Crash Dive. <laughs> okay. Uh, the single honorary award this year goes to George Powell for the development of novel methods and techniques in the production of short subjects known as puppet tunes. Puppet tunes? Puppet tunes. I am. Okay, let me make a note. Puppet tunes. 
where a series of animated puppet films made in Europe in the 1930s and in the United States in the 1940s. Okay, I want to watch them. About what I figured they would be. Interesting. I I wonder if it's kind of like that uh, Thunderbirds. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be. Thunderbirds is the greatest show of all time. (laughs) Uh, And this year's Irving G. Thalberg Award goes to Hal B. Wallace, who in 1943 produced This is the Army. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it started out as an overachiever. Now we've got got one a guy who just did one thing. So what's hmm? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, this is the army did win best scoring of a musical picture. So yeah. that's a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our Oscar breakdown. Thank now you. I'm gonna, now I'm going to ask the stupidest question of all time. This is in the National Film Registry. Would you like to guess what year? <laughs> well, I already know, and I'll to Caitlin. The National Film Registry started in 1989, and they can choose a movie after it's been in uh, out for ten years. And was there a limit on how many they do a year? Is it like fifty? I can't remember. Close to uh, twenty-five is the max. Oh, 25. Okay, so every year since 1989, they pick twenty-five movies to preserve in the National Library of Congress. Um. So the question is, what year was this movie put in? First year being 1989. 2000. 2000 is the answer we get. The year was 1989. First, first class. Uh-huh. I am not surprised. <laughs> you were I, being cautiously optimistic. I didn't, you know, I thought it was going to be, you know, some outrageous, oh my gosh, you know, it deserves more respect than that. I thought it was going to be, you know, something along those lines, we, but I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> we've had a few of those. Yeah. Not at all surprised that it would be on the top of the list. All right. So other films from 1943 that go in. And of course, this is, this is technically a film from 1942, as we discussed last week, because they released it as fast as they could uh, for a premiere so that they would, uh, they would be able to capitalize on the fact that uh, we had taken over Morocco mm-hmm. and wrenched it from Nazi control. Yeah. Uh, so uh, other 1943 films that got in were uh, the 2020 inductee Cabin in the Sky. Oh, yeah. Great film. Uh, Gangs All Here, mm-hmm. the George Stevens World War II footage from 1943 to 1946. Oh, wow. Which which is a heartbreaking story because World War II just broke George Stevens as a human being. <laughs> uh, he, make, he goes on to make some really depressing films after that. Uh, Lassie Come Home. Okay. Meshes of the Afternoon, which is a short subject experimental film. The Oxbow Incident. Shadow of a Doubt. Stormy Weather. Topaz, which is a documentary that went from 1943 to 1945. Uh, why We and Why We Fight, which was another documentary series directed by the likes of Frank Capra and John Ford. Yeah. Beauties both. That's where we are. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about the movie? Or you yeah. Uh, got any special notes to start us off or... Uh... Um, save those for the end if you got anything spicy. i mean i kind of pepper them in i yeah. i 
like the big one I could tell you off the top is that uh, Bogart and Ingrid Bergman were both very unhappy with this film and thought it was stupid. Oh, what? <laughs> Neither of them wanted to be in this movie and they both tried to get out of it. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Right. This film is uh, how do how do I put this? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I got up from watching it in in a dazed stupor wiped tears from my eyes, looked at Zach with this glass line expression and said, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I love this movie. It's, there it's is. officially one of my favorite movies of all time. It It's incredible. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that I say this often on the show where I always know I love certain movies and I know that they're perfect. And then I watch them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> this movie's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if um, Bogart not wanting to do it helped his performance at all. I mean, I know he's good at being crotchety anyway, but it's just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could have amplified it. Was a bit. that on his Oscar on the plaque? <laughs> You're good at being crotchety. <laughs> <laughs> crotchety old bastard. <laughs> oh, well, he... maybe the resigned indifference really mm-hmm. kind of came through. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, that that works with his uh, his character, just that. I don't even want to really be here, but <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Make the best of this situation. Mm. Oh God. And it's guys, I don't even know where to start talking about this. movie. <laughs> Cause yeah. I love this movie so much. <laughs> like I said before on, on this podcast, sometimes it's hard to talk about the movies that you love so much that are perfect. It's like, it's just like, it's Is that the rain? Yes. <laughs> like, it's great. It's perfect. I love it. Watch it. It's like uh, Bogart, uh, perfect in this movie. Uh, Bergman, uh, perfect in this movie. Claude <laughs> Rains, MVP. <laughs> you know, I and I say this hesitantly um, and with some reservation, only because I I just expressed how I I feel about the movie. Um, honestly, the only thing that kind of struck me a little off was. And it's it's only right because it's historically accurate at the time, um, both in the story and in Hollywood at the time was just the the kind of wishy washy of the female characters, you know, or the, you know, that that kind of indecision and willing to do sexual favors or things, you know, not having a strong declaration of self. But right. Even even in the instances of movies from that time period, this one it wasn't so glaringly eye rolling or it really was so well done. I, yeah. It just, it, it feels, it feels like the desperation it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's authentic. Yeah. All these people in these extraordinary circumstances, just trying to get out of these extraordinary circumstances. Uh, and yeah, they're yeah. Like the, the young woman and, and her husband who are just trying to leave. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many small stories weaved into this film that make up so much of it that that informs so many character choices going down the line that you can't cut anything. You can't cut right? anything, yeah. Like every minor subplot's like, oh well, that's that does this or this, it sets this domino in motion. It's all just Perfect. interlocks <laughs> so well. Yeah. <laughs> you think about like you know. One of the things that I think makes it resonate so hard even now is just looking back on it with a historical perspective of 
this is everything that's happening in this movie are, is part of what people were actually going through and it's of the time as it's happening fucking nazis are doing their shit and they're making this movie and they don't care <laughs> they're just like this yep. is the story we're telling and and i like how it serves as a microcosm of what was how how world war Two functioned as well like mm. on top of it being just a good movie about world war Two, it's also works on this this micro level of each character kind of represents whatever country they're from and how they entered into the war or how they were functioning within the war at the time of the film you know i <laughs> i that's so obvious now i look at it rick being the united states not coming until the end <laughs> and, and the film takes place in december of 1941 yeah yeah okay <laughs> think i like i was getting it but now it like smacks me with obviousness like but not in a bad way but right yeah no it's it's so wonderfully done and, and every like function of the script is... oh it's just yeah <laughs> as, as many quotable quotes and amazing dialogue the the, the screenplay is perfect <laughs> it's I'm, I'm just laughing at lines from the movie came to class of Casablanca for the waters. It's a desert. <laughs> I was misled. <laughs> That's yeah. Great. My favorite is probably um <laughs> I'm shocked to find there's gambling here. <laughs> yeah. Here's your winning, Here's sir. Your winning oh. sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I really wasn't expecting that kind of um <laughs> that kind of choke in there. That was, yeah. like, was really, really fucking funny. <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah. The the humor is so snappy and well placed, and I was amazed at how quickly this movie was made too. Um, yeah. Like, I I saw some small notes about like they purchased the rights to it and like. February and they're filming by May or August or something. And then it was edited and just a few months so they could rush it out. It's crazy. And then released in November so that they could have a premiere for it. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, when you think about the fact that it was mostly made throughout 1942, they greenlit it almost as soon as, uh, as soon as it was a little less gauche to green light films after, after Pearl Harbor. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're entering war. We need to get more films like these out. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. And, and, and I just, I also, I, I'm compelled to say how much I loved um, the music in that movie. You know, I know it takes place, you know, in a bar and you have that kind of environment going on. In in a lot of older movies, I I felt that a lot of music was interjected unnecessarily. Like there were musical moments that, they were like, oh, we have this song that might be great in here. Let's just throw it in there, whether mm -hmm. it was supposed to be a musical or not. But I, I, I didn't get that impression at all. And God help me, I can't remember the actor's name who played Sam. But I just loved every moment of his singing <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> whenever he was whenever he was singing on the screen. So. And he he was actually a drummer who did not know how to play piano. You're kidding. Nope, not kidding at all. Oh, I love it even more. And. Uh, apparently the the actual pianist was just off screen uh doing the music for him and he was just kind of mimicking his uh fingering. really i'm I... trying not to say fingering 
Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Miming as as he's playing. Yeah. Um. Um. Dooley Wilson is Dooley his Wilson. name. <laughs> so, just just an incredible singer, and I I think every time I want to hear that song, it needs to be him. So. Right. And I mean that song's so iconic from this movie, even though it wasn't originally from this film. Yeah. That it is now the uh, the Warner Brothers opening logo theme music. Mm. <laughs> or it was for a while at least. Yeah. And and can I just talk about Peter Lorre for a second? <laughs> Peter Lorre is one of my favorite actors. I mentioned M off the top. Yeah all-time favorite films and he's so good in this movie yeah and he's not in it very long but he makes an impact yeah it's it's crazy how much i think about peter lorry from this film when i think about peter lorry and he's what got maybe six minutes of screen time maybe yeah chased off and killed off screen no oh, jeez. yeah this is just such a good <laughs> <laughs> i can't you know, I'm ashamed to say that for years, I actually, please don't hate me for this, but I actually conveyed the opinion that, ah, oh, you don't need to see it. It's all right. You know, I fell asleep during it. It's not that great. <laughs> and I wish I could go back to every sorry soul that I told that to and grab them by the shoulders and shake them vehemently and say, I was wrong. <laughs> you need to see this movie. It's Yeah, no, uh, it. It's absolutely perfect. And it's one of those films that you are blushing, by the way, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I am. This is how I get when I talk about film. Like people, people think it's all an act. But here I am. I am. I am finding it hard to find words. I blushing. You're fanning yourself. Yeah, you are to your I, core shook. <laughs> I, I love great film and it makes me very happy. And it fills me with the joy that literally makes me want to cry because when I feel happiness these days, that's just what I do my brain sucks no but... hey that is it is okay <laughs> everything can be attached to your tear ducts um <laughs> yeah no i just i when i talk about films i love i i get verklempt and i love this film and yeah. it makes me it makes me the absolute happiest yeah i, I do have a question um to touch on a, a previous statement that you'd made that neither of the the two leads wanted or questions doing it do you have any information on in that regards like what uh did their opinion just, change down the road uh i'm sure it did over time i i didn't really look most of that up but uh had hmm. some quotes at some point but having to restart my computer i've lost well to anyone that. listening you should research that Yes, absolutely do. I, Drop some I know that at one point, like Bogart said it was dumb. And at another point, Bergman said that it was it was one of the worst movies she was attached to. What the hell? I know it's so weird. But, you know, we discussed this with um, it happened one night. Yeah. And how sometimes can't tell things it. just don't read as well. Or sometimes when you're shooting something, it can feel silly until yeah. you see the final product. I wonder, yeah, as a as as, as a female uh, <laughs> approaching the role, maybe I don't know. Um, are there spoiler alerts? You know, should we? Okay, no, no, uh, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll say spoiler alerts. But if you haven't seen it yet, get out there and see it uh, anyway. Um, don't uh, what are you doing here? Uh, anyway, should have watched it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, approaching the role, 
as somebody who has fallen madly in love with this person, with Rick, um, knowing that she just lost her husband to a concentration camp. I don't know if, you know, that in a one line sentence just turned her off from the role or something like, Oh my God, how could this woman do such a thing without the context of the story and the, the character development that may or may not have, you know, only happened as it was being filmed. So I really would be in shock. I'm going to yeah, research it. I did. Paul may have this note too, but I, I guess when they actually started filming, they only had like the first half of the script finish, which is all the more insane as perfect as the script is. Like they start, they finished it as they were filming. So. No, and I mean, it wrote like, itself. <laughs> it was it was based off of a play called Everyone Comes to Rick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh I you know, they were they were changing things about it as they went along too. Mm. Uh because you gotta you gotta fit into what's going on with the times and yeah. the world is shifting so violently at this point. <laughs> so yeah. I honestly it, can't imagine it any other way. No, it's it's a bizarre thing to think about and now I'm thinking about Madonna again, damn it. <laughs> what would she have done? Nothing good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a Madonna fan to begin with, and just I don't want to put those two things on the same plate. They don't even belong in the same restaurant. I just well, it's not gonna I'm a fan of Madonna up until uh Confessions on a Dance Floor, but after that Ugh. I've never been a fan of Madonna as an actress. There's been a few times where she was in a movie and didn't ruin it, like A League of Their Own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't mind Madonna as a musical artist. She's never bothered me one way or the other. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bizarre because around this time, she had just had a major flop and almost ruined her ex-husband's career with the remake of Swept Away. Yeah. Oh, that's guy Richie. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So I have to I have to wonder was Ashton Kutcher aware that he was the uh the person she had in mind or I mean at I, this point I, he can just completely deny. <laughs> I have to assume he did because like literally you could just type in Madonna Casablanca and find every single online journalist at this point covering this story you know what i would love to see it as a play though yes please <laughs> i'm down for that but again i still want to see that movie because i know it's going to be garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we said sometimes it's hard to talk about a perfect movie because it is just perfect what's this little sketch you have here it looks like an airplane yeah, you said it was a cardboard plate. Oh, yeah, the cardboard so. plate. Okay. <laughs> it goes, Meow. They use a little fog to make it less obvious. Hey, right. I couldn't tell. And I'm usually the stickler looking for crap like that. Like, in the, the the original Titanic movie, you can see the string pulling the front of the boat down into the water. <laughs> so, anyways, but... Um, HD has become the enemies of... The enemy of uh, practical effects. Yeah. All right, uh... Well, then I, I guess if we're all a little tongue tied about how to talk about the film, then how about we uh, move into our worsty judgment? The worsty judgments, which it's really a disservice to the movie to even mention it, but we got to ask. Um, so I'll start. I'll ask Caitlin here. Do you think this movie deserved best picture? Without a question. <laughs> yes. Okay. Paul. Okay. I'm going to say I 
do not think I have seen any other film from 1943. This is a podcast first, I think. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, yeah, I'm looking at all these films, and there's a lot that I know I need to see, but and a lot I was going to watch this week, but literally nothing was streaming except in which we serve, and I just didn't get around to it this week. Yeah. I was trying to catch up on some 2020 films, including uh, One Night in Miami, which I watched this afternoon, and everybody should watch that shit. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, good. Yeah, we'd started talking about You'd started watching it when we were chatting earlier, and I was hoping it. Yeah. It's, I, it's really good. 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 Uh, it, it really broke me up at the end, too. Yeah. Look forward to that. <laughs> um so, yes, I have not seen a single other film from 1943, and having not seen any of these films, I don't see how any of them could be this yeah. good. how can like, you beat perfect? You can't. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't the fact that you haven't seen any of the other ones <laughs> speak for itself? I mean... I, I feel it kind of does. Yeah. Not, not to say that the other movies aren't great on their own, but th- this is yeah. such a timeless story of love and sacrifice. I don't see how any other movie could compare to in, in trying to portray those those themes right so yeah i've actually only seen one other movie from this year which was whom the bell tolls which is fine it's a very good movie but it's not casablanca so uh no yes it absolutely deserved best picture i do want to see the oxbow incident because i've heard that's really really good things about that film like uh, henry fonda is really good in it i've heard what's the singing one the one with the song title Oh. No, I think you're thinking paint your wagon. No, 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 no. The <laughs> other, the movie that was mentioned, Miss the, that one with the be, for best song. Oh, um, literally has like singing or song in the title. I think. Song Hello, of Frisco Hello won best song. Oh, it was no. song of somebody. I think song of. Oh, the song of Bernadette. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, the song of Bernadette. Is that a musical? If not, yeah. it's misleading. It's. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm I like the name Bernadette, so I kind of want to watch the movie just because of that. Okay. Maybe she's got a good song. Uh, nope, biographical drama. Oh, oh, okay then. Okay. But song like isn't a story. Uh, okay then. An <laughs> eighteen-year-old girl who sees visions of the Blessed Virgin. Oh, that's interesting add that to the notes here song of bernadette good god literally (laughs) (laughs) um so the other question we ask is is it the worst best picture of what we've watched so far (laughs) Mm. caitlin broadway melody (laughs) (laughs) we share the opinion oh god it's still my it's still my second worst. <laughs> yeah. After the Nazi movie. Fucking Nazi. <laughs> oh, you he was doing um just in, in trying to tell me about the movie prior to watching and, and whatnot. Apparently Ireland and Oh, Jeremy, uh, as far as censoring uh, Casablanca. <laughs> well, we'll we'll do that real quick after I uh I'll I'll say uh no, it's not the worst. Uh absolutely oh, it's one probably my new number one yeah uh paul okay guys i swear this is not becoming a bit (laughs) this is not gonna happen every week but this is the third week in a row this is my new number one how could it not be yeah 
I'm I'm pretty sure once again they will come to my house. The Criterion Collection will come to my house and steal all of these Blu-rays from me if I don't <laughs> say that. Speaking of which, does, does this this doesn't have a Criterion release, does it? But no, it doesn't because it's weren't revered enough or or, or well. Warner Brothers has just held on to it so tight oh. that they won't give the rights up to it. Oh, like, I don't blame they, them. If they let somebody else get the rights to it, then they just essentially give away so much money. Okay. Fair uh, enough, I suppose. So, uh, so okay, I'm going to do a little bit of research here on air. Um, and to Jonathan's other question, I don't know... Uh, what other films from 1943 should have been nominated for Best Picture? Because I haven't seen any of them. So, <laughs> fair enough. Laser discs. Okay. Uh, Just need to get a sound bite of you saying laser discs. Laser discs. <laughs> it looks like a record, but there's a <gasps> movie on there. The official puppy of the podcast. Oh, oh yeah. Mascot. Or mascot. <laughs> Hello. There used to be somewhere online where you could look up what films the Criterion Collection released on Laserdisc because they had like Citizen Kane at one point. They had a taxi driver at one point. Wow. And once once I guess a DVD hit and the studios realized there was money in new formats, they mm-hmm. they didn't renew the licenses with Criterion Collection. Uh, oh, man. Criterion didn't get all these amazing films. Yeah. That is really a shame, though, because Criterion Collection does an outstanding job in in compiling and making nicer. <laughs> yeah, I, she, she's uh, appealing to us uh, Criterion. Well, out I'm, of... I'm going to say, though, if if there's one person who rivals the Criterion Collection in how they package and sell uh, discs and whatnot. It was Warner Brothers during the DVD era. Oh, yeah. Because Warner so. Brothers snapped up a bunch of rights to a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably, yeah. But I just I always notice it seems like. Some of the early Warner Brothers movies have a crisper image, too. Maybe. Well, anyway. I just know in the depressing uh, Russian films that. You you oh, watch oh thanks of of the ones that <laughs> the other pique my interest are the Criterion Collection because I'm like it just looks beautiful to look at <laughs> so their restorations are second to none so what did Ireland oh. and oh yeah Germany <laughs> do you know these Paul you might no no go ahead um what did Ireland do Ireland took a stance they were like chaotic neutral evil neutral if it's such a thing but they were like oh we can't criticize the nazis so they had to remove any dialogue that was critical but then germany <laughs> i think it was like in the 50s or something when they finally let the movie be shown but they had to remove any actual nazi context so they made uh victor laszlo a astrophysicist or something who was on the run from interpol <laughs> like, like what the hell kind of movie would that be with how uh, how do you edit out the Nazis uh, from Casablanca? I, and and where where did he escape from? I have to. I really uh, want to see this version though, just to yeah. to get an idea of how far they would go, even after they knew that hey, we're we're really douchebags. Like yeah. how far they would go to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, 
Warner Brothers released a heavily edited version of Casablanca in West Germany in 1952. All scenes with Nazis were removed, along with most references to World War II. Important plot points were altered when the dialogue was dubbed into German. Victor Laszlo was no longer a resistance fighter who escaped from a Nazi concentration camp. Instead, he became a Norwegian atomic physicist who was being pursued by Interpol after he broke out of jail. <laughs> it was 25 minutes shorter than the original. German version. A German version of Casablanca with original plot was not released until 1975. That is what? insane. Okay, here's some here's some Criterion laser discs that have never been released <laughs> on DVD or Blu-ray. Okay. All right, Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. King Kong. <gasps> oh, that is a shame. High Noon. Uh invade the 1956 invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, the Beatles film Help. Oh, wow. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my God. Blade Runner, which I'm kind of happy that one didn't because the the Blu-ray release of that with the final cut is amazing. Hmm. Uh, Sabotage, the Alfred Hitchcock film, Secret Agent, Young and Innocent, all Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, a Night at the Opera, the the... The Marx Brothers film. Oh. Uh, the Mel Brooks film, The Producers. <gasps> North by Northwest. Oh, shit. Adam's Rib. Singing in the Rain. Mm. Forbidden Planet. Zulu. Darling. Wizard of Oz. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, so these are, these are all films that at one point were part of the Criterion Collection on Laserdisc. Like, wow. There's so much good stuff in here. Yeah. I'm confused oh, about... Uh, well, I don't know who made the Beatles help versus who made hard day's night. Cause hard day night is a criterion, right? Yeah. I believe they're both Richard Lester directed both, but mm. I don't know who produced them. Yeah. I have it on my wish list. I'll pick it up next sale. Probably. I think I might've just watched it on the Criterion channel. Okay. Casablanca got released. Uh, it was their 73rd release. Oh, on laser disc on laser disc. Nice. Uh, and for anybody who wants to know, they had released 384 films on Laserdisc. The last film that they released on Laserdisc, Michael Bay's Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that just took it down. I was like, man, they had really good. Well, no, 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 don't get yeah. me wrong. I love Armageddon, but just the, the caliber of some of the like, then it's good. Don't. I just got finished saying yeah. yesterday that I, I'm going to rewatch it because I love that movie. So, but still. <laughs> well, it was the first episode of Drinking Age Movies that Jonathan and I did on, yeah. Big, on Big Willy Weekend. Yeah. I got to start laying the groundwork for Big Willy Weekend now. It's coming up this summer, folks. We're doing it. Should I be concerned? <laughs> no, you love Big Willy. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what she said. No, you ruined it. <laughs> How? Well, what am I supposed to say to something like that? We're talking about Will Smith. <gasps> hmm. Uh, if if you didn't know, and for anybody who didn't listen to the first episode of Drinking Age Movies, Big Willie Weekend was a thing that existed because in 1996 and 1997, Will Smith had releases on July 4th weekend. Yep. Independence Day and Men in Black. And then uh, when he released his, he didn't have one in 1998, 
1999, after uh, the album Big Willie Style, <laughs> they uh, they renamed July 4th Weekend Big Willie Weekend in anticipation for the great Will Smith 1999 release, Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh. Wiki wiki. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. My mom wouldn't buy me. <laughs> Big Willie style because the name. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, my I think my parents almost threw away my copy of um, the Circle Jerks group sex. <laughs> That's a twofer. <laughs> well, that actually sounds bad, Paul. <laughs> I probably would too. I always use a good Circle Jerk. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> She's never coming back, is she? <laughs> Never come I back to you. I knew what right. I was getting into. Okay. Well, I think we've gone off track as <laughs> typical. Casablanca is amazing. Yes. Watch it. Yes. Adore it. Worship it. It's amazing. I agree. Yeah. Here's looking at you, kid. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna need to brush my teeth now. <laughs> so so sweet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to say you were going to be sick. I'm so sugary. <laughs> oh, goodness sake. All right. Okay. So, Caitlin. <laughs> yes. Is there anywhere you would like people to follow you online? Um. Yes, actually. Please read and follow the CDC website and their guidelines. <laughs> please. Perfect. Zach? You can follow me on uh, Critiker at Zachmaster, spelled with an X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, because I was a cool 19-year-old kid. You didn't sneeze this time. No sneezing. Oh, we got to share the sneeze story real quick. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, go for it. Because <laughs> it's become a thing that <laughs> Trav uh, edits my sneezes, and I really appreciate it. Well, Paul, you were in theater. Um, yes. And I am still a thespian at heart. And this is when Zach and I first started dating. You are very familiar, I'm sure, with that that supernatural uh, quiet that settles among the audience right before the curtain opens. Um, Getting in the zone. Yeah, where where everybody's like, I'm not going to pee myself. I'm not going to puke. Everything's fine. You know, everybody's getting ready. And at this particular time, <laughs> I'm standing right off side of the theater. Um, and I hear this humongous loud obnoxious echoing sneeze and i'm like what asshole did that on purpose like i i literally thought because it was quiet somebody waited to do that <laughs> so the play goes on everything's fine and he does it again but in the hallway and i'm like oh my god that was you and i didn't realize at the time that that's actually how he sneezes every single goddamn time <laughs> But so, <laughs> luckily, she did not uh, break up with me. But I just, I find, I find the edits hilarious, and those are all the things like, that makes me cry. With tears. I, Anyways, for for everyone listening right now, producer Trav is hanging out in the Zoom call, and he's losing his mind. <laughs> <sighs> Wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, so oh. it will always stand out stark in my mind of my theater days. 
<laughs> that asshole sneezing. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll give a shout out to our boy Jonathan. You can follow him on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. And you can follow him on twitch.tv, Altorn Occam, uh, where you can play watch him play some video games. I don't do other people's socials for a reason. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the wonderful letterbox.com at Father of the Fear. What are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we are watching the Bing Crosby movie, Going My Way, which I have not seen. So uh, It's on Amazon Prime, Google, iTunes, YouTube, and Voodoo. So... Yeah. I would watch it. I'm going to watch it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at The OscarWorstyPodcast. Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review, preferably five stars, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. The almighty. For Caitlin, Jonathan, and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> you too.